Greetings, John Buchanan, So Podcast. My guest today is Dr. Edward Upjohn, a skin cancer specialist, dermatologist. G'day, Ed. Welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. Ed, like I said, a lot of my guests, especially where they've got huge titles and heaps of experiences, I'm going to ask you perhaps to introduce yourself, please. Sure. So uh, I'm a skin doctor. Um, so that's a, a doctor who's specialised in dermatology. Uh, I'm based in Melbourne, Australia. I've been doing this for about 10 years. So before that, I was training to be a dermatologist. So all up, I've been a doctor for about 20 years, and uh, I've got a special interest in skin cancer. Let's talk about the word dermatology for a start. What does that mean? So dermatologists treat everything to do with the uh, skin, including hair and nails. Uh, So basically, anything you see when you get undressed uh, is something that a dermatologist uh, will see and treat. Ed and I got to know each other, Ed, didn't we, because of my uh, scenario in relation to fair skin, the boy from Ireland. Irish skin, of course, is very likely to have issues with sun damage, etc. So I guess my connection with you, Ed, has been as a patient, and so it's really great to be able to talk heart-to-heart about my own journey. I think that's what brought us together. So, Ed, let's get stuck into it. Australia has had a really bad reputation about being famous for cancer. What, what do I mean when I say that? What, what are you hearing at a professional level? Yeah, so Australia certainly is top of the league table when it comes to numbers of skin cancers that we diagnose and treat each year, particularly um, you know, the big skin cancers that people may have heard of, so melanoma, Australia and New Zealand unfortunately kind of fight it out for you know, which country has the most per capita, so per head of population. But there's other skin cancers too, which are actually more common, and we certainly have the most of those as well. And, and they're the so-called non-melanoma skin cancers. So they're skin cancers that are not melanomas, but are actually more common and perhaps less well-known by people in general, but uh, are actually the ones that people are more likely to get. Quite often in interviews, I say, let's dig a bit deeper. Saying this to a dermatologist <laughs> is really scary. <laughs> But let's dig a bit deeper, Ed, when we talk about, uh, we'll go straight to the really serious one, which is a melanoma. Mm. Why is it serious? What's it look like? Um, And what can we tell the audience about a melanoma? Yeah. So melanoma is a serious one because I suppose it it can be sneaky in as much as sometimes they just look like a mole, an ordinary mole, and they can occur in young people as well as old, although they're, you know, to be honest, they're more common in older people. Um, but they can occur in younger people too. Um, and they're concerning because they can spread. And sometimes they spread at, you know, an early stage when you you don't realise that even you've got any problem. Um, and uh, so it's important to get onto those ones as quickly as possible because we know that early diagnosis can save lives. There's been a lot of good news about melanoma recently. So, in the past, when a melanoma had spread, it was very difficult to treat. And in fact, when I say difficult, I'm meaning patients died. And some patients do still die of their melanomas, unfortunately, but many are being treated with some of these new drugs and uh, you know they're, they're living normal lives, whereas 20 years ago, that wouldn't have happened. Uh, but it's still a very serious diagnosis. It's, um, and it affects large numbers of Australians every year. You know, probably about 10,000 Australians every year get diagnosed with a melanoma. Now, you described a melanoma as a mole. Uh, for other people, uh, might know it as a, a piece of black freckle 
on their skin. Mm. It's raised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and they um, pe- people often get very nervous when we start talking about melanomas because they think, well, oh, you know, I could easily have one of these and not know it. Um, often we talk about the ugly duckling mole. So that's a mole that really stands out from the others. So all of us have moles. They're almost universal. Some of us have more than others. But some people uh, are more prone to melanomas if they've got very fair skin, exposed to a lot of sun or, or have a high number of moles or maybe a family history of melanoma. Um, but it's really mostly it's your own sun exposure rather than sort of a, an, you know, a family history sort of situation. And it's typically the mole that is new or changing. That's the ones that we get um, concerned about and that we want people to come along and see us about. Obviously, different times where I've met with you, Ed, a lot of photos are taken because you're able to monitor Mm. uh, what changes happen on your skin. It's pretty important, I guess. It is. And look, that's the great thing about dermatology and the skin is it's, it's very easily assessed. You know, it's a bit embarrassing getting undressed in front of someone, but apart from that, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's much easier to examine someone for skin cancer than for pretty much any other cancer that we're talking about. And, uh, yeah, photographs are a great way of monitoring things because, um, you know, I've, I've got a good memory, but after a year I might forget what I saw and so it's good to have a photograph there to, um, to you know, compare back to. Melanomas can be round normally. They can be raised can they be square? Can they be other shapes? <laughs> they can be a number of shapes. And, and um, to be honest, they, they sometimes aren't raised. Sometimes they're, they're quite flat on the skin. I suppose the key thing about a melanoma is, is usually a history of change. So there's been something about them that is not staying constant. So they, they might be getting darker. They might be getting bigger. They might be changing colour. Um, a sensation or a change in sensation is actually pretty uncommon, but we do see people who say this one's, you know, come to my attention because it's itching or I've just noticed it and just something doesn't feel right. And and even if it's just that something doesn't feel right feeling, that's an important thing to pay attention to. Let's go down the scale. There's something called a SCC. What's that? Yeah. So um, an SCC, and in, in medicine we love acronyms, so we love shortening things as much as possible, but it, uh, it stands for a squamous cell carcinoma. And uh, they're actually the second commonest skin cancer that we see and diagnose. They're much more common than melanomas. So melanomas would probably be about the third commonest skin cancer. So squamous cell carcinomas or SCCs are more common than melanomas. They can be serious um, if they're allowed to grow and spread, but more often, most of the time, we we treat them at a stage when they um, are just confined to the skin. Um, But they're often, they grow fairly quickly usually, and they sometimes start off like a pimple, but they very, you know, usually rapidly turn into something that's noticeable, maybe tender, sore, not healing, that sort of thing. And then a really common one is the BCC. That's right. That, that's, the, that's the most common skin cancer. So common um, that, you know, the, the government unfortunately doesn't even collect statistics on it. So I can't tell you exactly how many were diagnosed in Australia last year, but um, to put it in perspective, if, if you're fair-skinned and you've grown up in Australia all your life, by the time you're 70, you're, you've almost got a 50% chance of getting a BCC or basal cell carcinoma. Um, but the good news is that they're very rarely life-threatening, but they can be um, problematic because they often occur on the face and they can occur in sensitive areas like on the nose or ears or around the eyes. So basal cell carcinomas, you know, not... Uh, they're not as dangerous as the others, but they're more of a nuisance just because they're so common. 
Sure. We're soon going to be talking about treatments, but before we do, Ed, I'd like your thoughts on the pandemic at the moment and how that's having an impact on people thinking about their own skin checks. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, unfortunately, it is the case that people are you know, anxious about going to the doctor, anxious about going to hospitals, and you know, they, they might put off going to the doctor to get a spot checked. But uh, we, we know that skin cancer doesn't stop, unfortunately, and, and every year a certain percentage of people are going to get a skin cancer. Um, so uh, it's very important that people still, you know, do get that spot checked out that they're worried about or if they've had, you know, if they're at high risk of a skin cancer that they keep their appointments as best they can because skin cancer is, you know, the the cliche of early detection saves lives is is very true with skin cancers. And um, uh, unfortunately, there, there has been a reduction in, People coming along. Um, I, I work at a, a, you know, one of the big public hospitals in Melbourne, and we know that um, a lot of patients have, have rescheduled or, you know, put off appointments, and that's fine. But they've got to sort of, you know, make a plan to to get along and make up that appointment, and and not just let it uh, fall by the wayside. It. A lot of people go to the GP, of course, yeah. all the time for different elements, and uh, that's normally probably the first point of contact when they want to start talking about what they've discovered on the skin. So let's describe it a normal scenario where um, a good average GP will um, uh, look and make the call on sending it away or calling a dermatologist. What goes through a GP's mind yeah. when deciding on the next thing to do? Sure. So we're, we're very lucky in Australia in that um, we've got excellent GPs and, and because skin cancer is so common, they're excellent at skin cancer too. So it's um, you're, you're quite right. A GP is definitely the first point of call, your family doctor. And I, I always tell people the thing to do is if you're worried about a spot on your skin, don't um, go to your GP and, and, and have a list of all the things you want done, you know, the the repeat scripts for this or that, you know, get your blood pressure checked and then, oh, by the way, can you check my skin? You, you've got to give them the, the time um, and the opportunity to, to do it justice and they will. So basically, I think it, it's good for any um, Australian who's worried about their skin or, or, you know, whether they've had too much sun in the past to, to get their GP to see them to just, just check their skin. And even if it's just a once-off, um, that's an excellent sort of stock take you know, the GP will examine their skin, look at their moles. Almost all GPs now are trained up in examining moles with um, what we call a dermatoscope. That's just like they listen to your chest with a stethoscope. There's a special instrument for looking at the skin and that can help them diagnose skin cancers. And if there's anything they're worried about, they're well trained to take a biopsy, take a sample of it. Or if they're not sure if it needs a sample, they can certainly refer on um, to a dermatologist for you know a, an opinion about a spot. I'm sure there's lots of GPs um, nodding their heads right now as I listen to you, because yes, it is seems to be a bit of an afterthought, doesn't it? As you said, scripts and I need this. And oh, by the way, have a quick look at this hand, would you? Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, look, of course, I'm I'm going to think the skin is important because uh, that's that's what I uh, <laughs> that's what I like to. To, to treat and see, but it, it is important as as is all parts of our health. But you got to give them everyone the opportunity to to concentrate on it. Let's go straight into treatments, Ed. Uh, there are many types of treatments for different types of cancer. We hear the word chemo. Chemo is more blood related. Is that right? Chemo um, traditionally has been um, treatment for um, yes. It, it's usually a drug that's given to the whole body to treat a cancer and, and oftentimes that's for a cancer that, that is affecting sort of 
many parts of the body or a spread. Fortunately, with skin cancers, um, we can usually be very direct with our treatments. So the skin cancer is almost always confined to the skin, and that means um, that it can, you know, usually more often than not, just be cut out and, um, you know, the, the lesion removed, the area stitched together, and, and that piece of skin, um, and this is very important too, is sent off and usually examined in the first instance by a, another doctor called a pathologist who will give a diagnosis. And certain skin cancers, if they're very early and just in the surface of the skin, can be treated with creams even. And, you know, that's been an excellent advance for, you know, treating and, and avoiding in many cases a scar in an area, you know, where you might not want one, for example, you know, on the chest or um, something like that. The creams are not always indicated for every single skin cancer, though. So sometimes, um, you know, people are desperately hoping that we can treat their skin cancer with a cream, but unfortunately, we still have to do surgery on it. Sure. Obviously, another reason you and I have caught up for this podcast is um, I've just been through a treatment which is called Mohs surgery, and I'm very happy to um, hand it over to you about our journey between you and I about what happened, and and because I think. I was really excited about what Mohs surgery is, how it works, and um, it's it's got some great outcomes. But I'll throw to you, Ed. Sure, John. So, yeah, so Mohs surgery is is a special type of skin cancer surgery where uh, I mentioned before, you know, when we cut something out, often we send something off to the pathologist to get looked at down the microscope, for particularly for a diagnosis. Um, with Mohs surgery, we can do both the surgery and the examining the tissue then and there in real time. And it's um, particularly useful for a subset of skin cancers. Um, so, you know, cases like yours, John, we, we remove a lesion and it's actually almost invisible on the surface of the skin. We can't see it, you know, with our eyes. And so then you're really sort of trying to work out, well, how much do we take? We don't want to take too little, don't want to take too much. Um, we only want to take the skin that we have to do to get rid of the skin cancer. And by having the opportunity to examine the edge of the skin that we remove, pretty much in real time, um, it means that we can do the surgery, uh, check the margin, and if we find that there's still skin cancer there, go back immediately and take some more until it's all out. And then we know it's all out and we can put the stitches in and um, do a repair and not have to worry about finding out a week later that we have to go back again. So I always say it's it's a great thing for patients. It's also good for people like me who are a bit of a control freak and, and want to know that it's, uh, you know, the skin cancer's all gone before and see it with my own eyes before um, I do a repair. Sure. And I, from a patient perspective, Ed, I can say there are many times where I've had a sample taken from my, from my skin and then it's the waiting four or five days to get the result. Now, those four or five days is terrible waiting for that. Yeah, I, I know. I, I, um, I, I think you're right, John. And look, it's... Um, we often don't think about that often enough. The the, the waiting game is is you know terrible, and um, uh, the days really stretch on when you when you've got that hanging over your head. But I will sh- share the audience. So I went we went there and um, had my injections, and oh, there was no one likes injections anyway. But obviously, it's a local anaesthetic, so it numbs the area that's going to be taken out, and it's cut open. And uh, I'm sure all your a good dermatologist. Surgeon is going to talk to the patient all the way through it, explain what goes on. So um, from my patient perspective, it went well. And um, I compliment you and other dermatologists who are, who are talking to the patients about the procedure and how it works. And there's lots of videos and information if people want more about Mohs surgery. I may as well spell that 
It's M-O-H-S. Is that correct? That's correct. It's um, it's actually everyone asks um, the most common question is why why is it called that? Does it stand for something? But it's actually the the name of the man who first did it, and um, uh, he was an American surgeon way back in the 40s and 50s who started it off. And like many things that started off small, you know, he trained people who then trained people on how to do it, and um, it's sort of grown from there. So yeah, Fred Mose was the first literally Mose surgeon. Obviously, GPs will know about this surgery. Do you think? Yeah, so it's um it is now more widely known, and um it, not every skin cancer needs to be treated with Mohs. Um, I, sh- I should you know I'd like to say that first up, um, but it's certainly a um a great treatment for a, a subset of skin cancers, and um it's look not just sort of GPs know about it, but you know thanks to the internet, it's um there's a lot of information out there and. People sometimes come across it off their own bat. You know, they, they've got a diagnosis of a BCC or SCC, uh, and then they come across most surgery in their own research on it. So that's that's not uncommon these days. I think in all areas of medicine, people are much more self-aware. In Australia, we're talking about dermatology and skin cancer. Is there enough dermatologists out there at the moment? So, look, I guess the short answer is no. Um, you know, I don't know. When, when we first caught up, um, you can probably tell me, you know, you, you're probably waiting a little while to get in you know, get your appointment. I was. Yeah. So, and, and you know, if you're waiting for a skin cancer and all that, that's, um, you know, we'd love it to be as short as possible. So the short answer is we're training, you know, we've, I would say um, you know, d- dermatology is like a country with lots of young people. We're training lots of dermatologists for the future. And so there's there's a large proportion of our workforce is actually in training at the moment. So in the future, it will be better. There will be more dermatologists. And not all dermatologists do Mohs surgery, so you have to do an extra year or two years of training beyond that to do Mohs surgery. So unfortunately, the number of Mohs surgeons is smaller again. So uh, there's probably about 50 or so of us in Australia. So, you know, there's um, it, it's not perhaps as widely available as ideally it would be, but there are, you know, again, people training in, in Mohs in Australia. So, you know, that that's going to change over time too. I don't think we could have an interview about skin cancer without you giving a message to everybody about the importance of slipping, slopping and hatting and all of that sort of stuff. I know the Australian government um, really focused on a campaign about keeping out of the sun and you've been doing this for 10 years. Is that making a difference? It, it is. We're, we're just starting to get the sort of the signals of that effect in the statistics of, um, you know, skin cancers coming through. and it's. Um, Look, I always tell people I'll be spending my life treating the baby boomers, but I'm very hopeful that the dermatologists in the future will not have the same numbers of patients coming through, um, you know, from ever since the slip, slop, slap campaign started in the 80s. That generation growing up hopefully will um, not be as sun damaged and and at as, you know, higher risk. So, yeah, we, we are seeing the numbers just starting to improve from that point of view. And, and I'm sure as time passes that that will continue to pick up. And on an individual level, it's, it's also never too late to start protecting your skin because we know that um, at any stage when you start wearing sunscreen, sun protecting, that individual um, also benefits. It's not just a sort of a, a community-wide thing. Thank you, Dr. Edward Upjohn. It's been a lovely conversation to have with you, a very important one. And it's been lovely to just talk as a colleague, as, as a patient who's worked with you and made me feel more comfortable with regards to my skin. So thank you for coming on to the So Podcast. 
I'd like to remind the audience that if they'd like to more information about my podcast, my website is johnmckenna.com.au. All of my episodes are transcribed and transcriptions are available. If people want to find you, they could go to Google or is there a website you'd like to mention? Yes, well, I, I do have a website, so edwardupjohn.com. Uh, John is, uh, is my website. Very good. Ed, thanks for joining me today. No, thank you for having me, John. John.